Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 83, The Power of Anticipation and Visualization. It's December 14th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. The power of anticipation and visualization. I could not be more excited about this topic than I am because it's exciting. And the other thing is, I believe this is probably one of my most significant or at least more significant podcasts because this is extremely powerful. It's very, very, very well supported by medical research, as you'll see later on. It's a free technique. It's an easy technique. And and I really think it could really positively impact your life because it has mine and I have some good concrete examples for that. This podcast also, by the way, supports uh, an upcoming podcast called Creating Your Life. So this is a technique that I hope you're going to use as often as possible or wherever and whenever you want because it's free, easy, supported by science and can be wildly positive. So let's get going today. What am I going to cover? I'm going to cover the lay of the land about what do I mean by visualization and anticipation. I'm going to talk about the self-fulfilling prophecy, dealing with fears and health implications. I'm going to give you very real life examples. I am going to talk about the critical elements of anticipation and visualization. I'm going to talk to you about what actions you might need to take, and I'm going to wrap it up with some additional suggestions that might be helpful to you if you're new, trying out anticipation or visualization, and I'm going to give you the takeaways and call to action. Now, if you're new to my content, I do hope and pray pray that you're going to go to my website and enter my current giveaway. I love giveaways. Apparently, that's what I learned about myself is I really enjoy them, and I happen to do the things that make me happy. So giveaways make me happy, and I hope you'll go to my website at www.lisaandlendy.com and enter the current giveaway. Now, the next piece of this podcast is very important, and that is that you understand that I am not a therapist or a medical health professional in any capacity. I am not those things. And you, as a consumer, should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider. That's how that goes. Now, if you're listening to this podcast right now in this moment and you feel hopeless or you're thinking about committing suicide or you're thinking about self-harm or you feel like you just can't go on, I'm asking you to stop and make a phone call to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to talk about it. I'm asking you to tell people if you want to put it on social media, have at it. I mean, people will actually help you and there is actually help available to help you. It just might not be from the people that you you want to help you, but take that action if that's how you're feeling. All right, moving on, I want to get into some kind of get the lay of the land for what I mean by anticipation and visualization. Now, these terms could be interchangeable and we're not getting into the thicket of the technicalities between anticipation, visualization, and the medical term, by the way, for visualization now is guided imagery. So back in the day, like decades ago, it was simply known as visualization, and now it's more or less referred to as guided imagery. So 
So these are tools. They're free, they're easy, and they're backed by science. So it's not, this is not a complex topic, but I want you to understand the science behind it and how to use it so you can take advantage of it. So what is the word anticipate as a verb means to regard as probable or expect or predict. So if you're in doing anticipation, antici anticipation is the act of regarding something as probably, like it's probably going to happen, or you're expecting it to happen, or you're predicting it. Visualization is defined as the formation of a mental image of something. Now we often hear a visual, well back in the day, I should say, back, back in like, I don't know, 70s, uh, they were talking about this new concept of visualization with regard to cancer and cancer cells as, a, as an adjunct therapy. And you often hear of people in other fields who use visualization, in particular athletes. You know, athletes are often coached to imagine themselves hitting the ball or imagining themselves, you know, catching the ball or imagine themselves crossing the finish line, like to see it in their mind. And interestingly enough, in the research, when they have an athlete connected to, you know, a heart monitor and all the equipment, when the athlete is imagining, say they're a runner, that they're crossing the finish line, they're number one in the race, their heart rate and their body um, sensations are the same as if they were. And interestingly also is the brain can't really distinguish between something you're imagining it, imagining and something being true. So visualization has been used in athletes with in sports. It's been used in public speaking. It's been used in all kinds of professions. So it has a long history. Now the words guided imagery is now kind of, I think the, the way that they refer medically to visualization. And uh, I want to read a little couple sentences from Johns Hopkins, Johns Hopkins uh, website, because I think this will really hit home. So here's what John Hopkins has to say about guided imagery. I quote, The mind is a powerful healing tool. Imagery, parentheses, visualization, and parentheses, has harnessed the power of the mind through various therapies for centuries. By creating images in your mind, you can reduce pain and other symptoms tied to your condition. The more specific the visualization, the more helpful it will likely be. People are taught to imagine sights, sounds, smells, tastes, or other sensations to create a kind of daydream that quote-unquote removes them from or gives them control over their present circumstances. Imagery usually involves a program with certain aims and goals. You are guided to visualize your goals and work towards them. Uh, end of quote. So that's what John Hopkins is saying publicly on their website as of um, earlier this week. So I think that's significant because we know Johns Hopkins has a very credible uh, and high stature in the medical community. So, so that's one piece. Now I'm going to add a little bit more medical support to this in a bit, but I want to talk to you about the idea of anticipation. So with anticipation, I already gave you the definition, like you're expecting something, you're predicting something, you're believing something's very probable. There's negative anticipation and there's positive anticipation in, in the Lisa Lundy Love Life podcast world. So I want to make clear that I'm talking about positive anticipation as opposed to negative anticipation. So some people, some of you listening to this podcast are highly, highly skilled at negative anticipation. You are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. You are always expecting something bad to happen. You are predicting the negative. You are expecting the negative and you think the negative is most probable. That is not at all what I'm talking about. 
and that's not helpful. I'm talking about positive anticipation, where you're expecting the best, you're anticipating good things, you're expecting good things, and you're sure that th good things are probably going to happen. That's very different than expecting the other shoe to drop. So for the purposes of this podcast, I just want to be very clear that I'm talking about anticipation in the positive vein, not negative. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term, the self-fulfilling prophecy, that's a psychology concept that has been around for decades, more than four, I'm not sure how many. And what the self-fulfilling prophecy holds, or what it means is, that you set an intention, or you set a goal, <clears throat> or you have a belief. <clears throat> so let's say you have the intention to get a good job or a new job, or you have the goal of having a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you know, whatever it is. So you have something that you've set as a goal or an intention or something that you believe. And as a result of setting that positive goal, that positive intention, that good thing, your subconscious and unconscious mind directs your behavior so that it becomes true. So that's why the term is self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, if you're not familiar with your subconscious and unconscious mind, which would be normal, that would be most, most of you listening to this, I, I have a whole podcast about the, self, the unconscious and subconscious mind because most people don't know about that. And it occupies roughly 90% of your mind, and it's a part of your mind that you don't have access to. So this is a very fascinating concept that's been well, well, well researched that holds, you set a positive goal, intention, idea, have a belief, and then your part of your brain that you don't, that you're not conscious of, your unconscious, subconscious mind, directs your behavior so that it comes true. Now there's an opposite corollary to the self-fulfilling prophecy that go, it's called the self-defeating prophecy, and that's when you have a negative goal or a negative intention or a negative belief, and that comes true. So those things are psychology proven concepts. They've researched them, you know, for decades. So using anticipation in the positive way and visualization can help you take advantage of the self-fulfilling prophecy because that's going to happen. You're either taking advantage of the self-fulfilling prophecy or you're taking advantage of the self-defeating prophecy. Why would you want to shoot yourself in the foot with negative expectations, negative beliefs, negative goals? Like you wouldn't want to do that if you were awake and aware to the fact that it's either the self-fulfilling prophecy or the self-defeating prophecy. So I want to make mention of that because that research is probably under a different category in PubMed Central than, say, guided imagery. If you're going to look up a visualization in PubMed, by the way, I would recommend you might want to look under guided imagery, although you can find a good amount on visualization, but some, some it's a little confusing because now they're talking about data visualization and that's different. But anyway, so in this whole arena of the self-fulfilling prophecy, visualization and anticipation, there's some very interesting things that we've learned that support this notion that what you think is very important. And one of those is the placebo versus the no nocebo effect. And basically people who were given a placebo, that's like a sugar pill or saline solution, you know, something that really wasn't a, a medical intervention, uh, got better or improved because they believed that they were getting a good treatment. And people who had you know, got, had a negative income if they believed they were getting nothing or, you know, something negative. And so that's really supports the power of belief, but it goes even further. So there's something called the Pygmalion effect or the Rosenthal effect, which basically means that it's in psychology again, which is that when, uh, when there are high expectations of you, that leads to improved performance. So when teachers were told these students are cellular or they're the, they're the best of the best, you know, they had different expectations for those students and miraculously the students perform better 
well, we perform better when someone has uh, high expectations of us. So those are some psychology things that support what I'm talking about. Now, I want to move into the real, very serious health implications and dealing with fear. So ages and ages ago, I read a book called uh, Remarkable Recovery. It's like amazing. It was about people who spontaneously got well. They had spontaneous remissions that were unexplained. And it's such a, it was like, it was so compelling. I'll probably never forget that book, even though, I mean, it's been forever. So I wanted to just kind of give you uh, an idea. So this book, Remarkable Recovery, was written by uh, the medical researcher, uh, Carl Hirschberg, and a journalist, Mark Ian Barish. And they, they did like interviews of people who, you know, <clears throat> the medical community kind of dismissed because they just, some of them refused treatment and they got better anyway. And so there's a whole book talking about this phenomenon where you have a belief or you, you know, some people just went off and laughed and said, well, I'm going to enjoy my life. And they went and enjoyed their life and got better. So there's like, this has been something that's been around for a very, very long time, but we're not really talking about it. Now, to take the science a little bit deeper, because I really want you to understand that this is a well-documented idea. This is not just some kind of frivolous thing I thought of and, oh, yeah, well, it worked for me, so it'll work for you. No, I want you to understand there's, a, there's actual science. You can go look it up in PubMed or PubMed Central or Google Scholar if you prefer. So there is a medical term called psychoneuroimmunology that has been evolving for 40 years. Well, they say 40 years, but it's actually longer than that. And that's the relationship between your immune system or your immunity, the endocrine system, and your central and peripheral nervous system. So it's all it's really psychology, neurology, and immunology all together. So I want to read you one sentence from that because I just want you to hear what you're thinking and how you're feeling can do. So here's the quote. There are now abundant data documenting an association between stressful life experiences and changes in immunologic reactivity. The death of a family member, for example, is rated highly on scales of stressful life events and depending on gender and age is associated with depression and an increased morbidity and mortality. So what they're looking at is the things outside of your body that impact your immune system. And they've gotten it down to a very scientific cellular level that I have to tell you is way above my head. It's way above my pay grade and way above my, my comprehension. So when you have stressful things in life, it can suppress your immune system. And um, I want to read one other sentence and then we'll move on. So here's the next sentence and it's uh, from the research. Quote, in recent years, it has been observed that psychological stress can be disease permissive, as in chronic inflammatory diseases, cancer, cardiovascular diseases, acute and chronic viral infections, sepsis, asthma, and others, end quote. So when they're talking about psychological stress, there's a whole thing about, you know, external factors that can play into this. So one easy, free, and I have to say can be enjoyable way to create, create your future is to take advantage of positive anticipation and visualization, either or or both. So all what all of this means is there's a lot of science to support hey, why not? But I want to give you some medical examples to support this. So back in the day, I had um, a fibroid tumor that was extremely large. It was 19 centimeters and had to be, it had to be removed surgically, which by the way was dangerous because it was eight times larger than 
my uterus itself. So they told me right from the get-go, besides the fact that I, they wanted me to donate um, four pints of my own blood and have four other people donate four more pints, that it was dangerous and I needed to do certain things and blah, blah, blah. So the short version of this story is they removed this, it was like a 2.2 or 2.3 pound, 19 centimeter fibroid from my uterus. And all that was left was the lining of my uterus and a very thin paper, tissue paper thin layer outside of the lining. So I really had no uterus left, so to speak. So they informed me that I would never have children. And I said, okay, but you said I have my uterus. Well, well, yes, technically. But what they really meant was I would never have a baby because I didn't have enough uterine tissue to support a pregnancy. Like it's one thing to have your lining and it's another thing to have a paper thin layer. And it's a totally different thing to have enough tissue to support a pregnancy. So the shortest version of the story is that my uterine tissue grew back fully to be fully thick and normal. And I had three children by C-section as a result. Now that's not something that they can explain in medical science. And I have been re reassured repeatedly over the last number of years that that's impossible. I mean, they know it's possible because we have the C-cert, we have all the surgical reports, we have all the medical documentation. So we know it's not only possible, we know it happened because we have the documentation and the surgeons, but it's not explainable in medical science because uterine tissue is not regenerative. Mine grew back, but it's not as a rule ever regenerative. So what explains that? Well, who was I being once they told me, oh, you'll never have children? Well, okay, innocently, I didn't really know I had like not enough tissue. I did not know that. But I knew I had a lining and I knew I had a uterus. So my who I was about it was that I was going to have a baby. I was going to have a healthy baby. And I, so my beingness, who I was being about it was that it was going to work out. That it wasn't just possible and it wasn't just predictable. It was inevitable that I would have a baby because I had a uterus. And voila, it happened. I mean, it actually took me quite a number of years before I understood that, no, they were, I mean, I knew they were deeply worried when I was pregnant after the surgery because, you know, when a doctor's worried about a very possibly life-threatening complication, they, they let you know. They do let you know over and over and over again, by the way. So that's one example. Now, my second example dovetails off of that, which is when I was pregnant with my second child. So we had child number one, and that's when that C-section happened. That's when they were kind of had their aha moment. I mean, the doctor just was just exclaiming after she opened me up because she had the report saying I had like no tissue and they were all worried. And here she opens me up and there's this like healthy, vibrant uterus that's normal. So she couldn't believe it. And uh, anyway, so I'm pregnant with my second child. And at one of the appointments, they discovered a three centimeter fibroid tumor. Well, that's kind of a problem I had before my first live baby. Uh, so they said, well, we'll watch it. So, okay, I went back a couple weeks later, had a second ultrasound, and now it was up to six centimeters. And, and at that point, the doctor was just terrified and very upset. So I was pregnant. So there's nothing I could do about that because I was pregnant. So I just kind of looked at the doctor and the, the ultrasound technologist, and I just said, well, I guess I'll just visualize it shrinking because what else is there? And they kind of you know, had some snarky laughs and comments, but off I went, scheduled for another visit in six weeks or whatever it was, went back, and they could not, when I went back for the repeat ultrasound to check the size, they could not find the fiber tumor. Now, what I had done from the previous appointment to the appointment where they could not find my six centimeter fiber tumor was every time I felt the baby move, in my head and out loud, not necessarily both at the same time, I would say to myself, oh, 
my fibroid tumor shrinking. Oh, it's shrinking. Anytime I felt the baby move or kick, that called it to mind. And I would say in my head, mostly it was in my head. I might have said it out loud a couple times. Oh, my fibroid shrinking. My tumor, fibroid tumor shrinking. It's shrinking. It's shrinking. When I went back and then they couldn't find it. I mean, they, they gave me the longest ultrasound I'd ever had. And I've had involved pregnancy. So I've had long ultrasounds and they couldn't find it. And they said, well, listen, don't you worry. Don't you worry. When we open you up for that C-section, we'll find it. We'll find it. Don't you worry. And then I had the C-section and there was not a whiff about the fibroid. So those are two, those, I mean, what could I do? I couldn't do anything about either of them except to use anticipation and visualization. So I want to give you some other examples. So those are two medical examples, which are amazing and made me very happy, by the way. But, um, and if you wanted to go do a dive in, in PubMed, you'd see that they're looking at visualization or guided imagery to use the medical term in terminology they're using now with all kinds of different specific disease states from lupus and you know autoimmune diseases cancer I mean it's just it's across the board there's there's plenty to look at but I want to give you some non-medical examples because hopefully you're well and hopefully you don't have like a lot of health problems so when I uh, when I was back when I was single I decided to buy my first house and I was kind of very very afraid and so this is, I want to wrap in the fear piece, which I was going to talk about before, but I missed it. So when you have fears, you could have a fear about something good or a fear about something bad. This technique of, of, you know, positive anticipation or visualization can kind of help counterbalance your fears. Like, of course, when I had um, been told that I was never going to have any kids because that was never going to happen. And even after, by the way, when I had the, the 19 centimeter fibroid tumor removed and then I got pregnant and went back to see the surgeon who had removed the huge fibroid. I mean, 90, 19 centimeters is like in the 95th percentile for fibroid tumors. They don't come much bigger than that. They do come a little bigger, but not much. When I went back to see the surgeon about my pregnancy, he just, he was not, he was not happy. He was very worried I would dehiss, rupture, and rip open and, and die because I didn't have any tissue. Or at least he thought I didn't have any tissue because that's how he left me. He's the one who left me with no tissue. Not, a, not because of, it wasn't his fault, because I had, you know, a fibroid tumor that was eight times larger than my uterus. So it was very involved. So, you know, I had a lot of fears about, well, what if they're right? What if the doctors are correct? What if I never have any children? So instead of dealing and ruminating and thinking and cogitating about what if they're right, you know, I spent my energy on, no, they're not right. I'm right. I'm having a baby. I'm going to have a baby. It's going to come. It's going to happen. So when you have fears, this can be a really helpful technique to kind of take your mind off of the negative and dwell on the positive. So when I went to buy my first house as a single woman, I was kind of like, oh, well, what if I buy this house and then I lose my job? Or, you know, what if something happens and I'm by myself and now I have this mortgage? Blah, blah, blah. So I had plenty of fears. Of course, one of them was like, oh, what if I buy this house and then I meet a really nice man? Well, you know, so, so I anticipated, you know, and visualized buying a house. But of course, the house that I ended up buying was not the house I was visualizing, which was fine. I got an even better, nicer house. But it was helpful to me to get over my fears about, well, what if I sign the mortgage paperwork and then something happens? Well, I knew I'd figure it out. Now, another example is years ago, I had a kitchen that need to, needed to be gutted to the studs because there were very serious electrical problems and very serious plumbing problems. Like there was pretty much no hot water in the kitchen because the pipes were so old and clogged. And I was cooking for three uh, food allergy and gluten-free kids. So I, I did a lot of cooking. So it was a big problem. So I didn't have the money worked out 
to gut the kitchen to the studs. But bringing anticipation to the table, I went out, got all the cabinetry, got the kitchen design all done, figured out what cabinets I would need, how many of, of which, the flooring, the, the appliances. I figured out every detail, including the budget and including possible contractors, not that I had decided which one. And then with all of that said and done and all of that laid out, then I figured out the finances to be able to gut the kitchen to the studs. And we did gut the kitchen to the studs. And it was completely redone. Every aspect of it was redone. And I have to say <laughs> that the, the contractor, I mean, that, that people knew when I was getting my quotes that I hadn't worked out all the money issues. I hadn't figured exactly out where all the money was coming from and how I was going to, I was going to work it out. So they knew that I wasn't lying and saying, Oh yeah, I'm ready to do a kitchen. I said, no, I'm not ready to do the kitchen, but I'm getting ready to do the kitchen and to do the kitchen. I need to know what is it going to cost? So I need to figure it all out. So I had to figure it all out so I could do a very refined budget because of course I did a budget and after I did the budget or around when I was doing the budget, then I did the timeline. How long will it take them to gut the kitchen and part of the dining room? How many days will that take? How many days will it take for them to do the electric and the plumbing and everything else? And I did this massive timeline and the contractor we ended up using. So I had a timeline where I said it would take three weeks to gut the kitchen start getting the kitchen to completion, three weeks. And the contractor looked at me and just laughed and said, that'll never, ever happen. And I said, okay, that's fine. Let's look at my, let's look at my timetable though. Let's look at it item by item and let's see how many days I'm off for the different parts of the project. And he said, okay, so we did that. He said, no, three days for demolition. That seems very reasonable. Yep. This many days for that. Yep. That seems very, and went through everything. He said, well, it's all very reasonable, but I'm telling you, it won't work like that. Oh yeah. It worked like that. We actually were under 21 days. We came in at 18 days and he said, oh my gosh, that'll never happen again. But I had everything lined up and worked out. Now I used anticipation with the health problem of someone that I love, which I can't say anymore because it's their private business. But basically I was told they were, they would never live. They would never survive. Here's the, here's the death date. I don't know that they call it the death date, but if they tell you it's nobody lives more than this many years, that's kind of like the death date. And they are still alive and well, even though people were laughing and people thought I was ridiculous, but I brought anticipation to the table. I wasn't so much visualizing, just as anticipating, no, it's going to work out and it, it is going to be, and they're going to live and they're going to do great and they're going to be fine. And, and uh, of course I did work like crazy. This is not just in my mind, which I'll get to later when I talk about, well, what actions do you need to take? Because anticipation is, is, there are multiple parts to it. One of them is your thinking and your feeling and your beliefs, but another part is action. All right. Now I do want to tell you um, about using this in a completely different way. So one of the ways you can use anticipation is with other people in your life and preparing them for changes or setting up their expectations. So when my, uh, when I was pregnant with my second child, I decided to help my firstborn child properly get ready and anticipate the arrival of his baby brother. So I got him a doll. So I got my first son a doll. I took one of the, you know, the little uh, bags they give you from the hospital to make a little doll diaper bag. And we put all the accessories you would need to go with the doll baby, a little blanket, a little washcloth, a little, one of those little bottles, uh, all the paraphernalia, including, you know, like little doll diapers. And then I proceeded to help him anticipate what was going to happen because he was actually two and a half by the time um, my second was born. So he was about two when I started this. So we put the baby car seat in the car with a 
well, I originally put it in the car with the doll baby, his doll baby in it, but then we realized we couldn't do that because people thought there was a baby in the car, so we had to take the doll baby out and use the teddy bear. So, so we did that. We practiced that the baby was sleeping, meaning his doll baby. So we had to be quiet because the baby was sleeping or the baby was napping. And we went through all the things that were going to happen, you know, that he would love the baby. The baby would love him. The baby would be delighted to play with him, you know, right down to the part where I told him that uh, when the baby gets bigger, the baby's going to start crawling. And then the baby's going to eventually crawl over to your basket right there, your basket of Legos. And he's going to throw his hand into your basket of Legos. And my oldest was looking at me and I said, you know, okay. He said, yeah. And I said, and then what are you going to do? And he, he looked at me and he said, I don't know. What am I going to do? I said, you're going to throw your arms up and you're going to start cheering and you're going to say, oh, yay, happy day. Because then you'll know at that point he's getting bigger and pretty soon he's going to be big enough to play with you. And you'd love to have somebody to play with. And he said, too, he's like, yes, yes, I would. I said, okay. Now, I have to tell you the, the back story or the, the end of that story. So this is happening when my oldest is two and I'm pregnant. Baby comes. Everything's great. It's going just as planned. You know, when I had to feed the baby, my son would get his doll baby. I mean, it was just beautiful, perfect. And then my second son, the baby, gets big enough to start crawling crawls over to the Lego basket, which was on the floor. And, you know, my whole first floor was child-proofed. And he throws his chubby little hand into the Lego basket. And my oldest son, the one I had prepped, the one I had helped to anticipate for this moment, throws his hands up and starts cheering wildly. And he's so happy. Now me, having forgotten that I had anticipated this with him and set him up for it, looked at him and I said, oh my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm cheering because this means now he's getting bigger and pretty soon he's going to be able to play with me. And then I had this aha moment like, oh my gosh. Yes, now, now I remember. So if you're in the age bracket of having children, I I am wildly recommending this because not only did I do it with my first, when I was pregnant with my third child, I did it with my second, who was about the same age. He was two when I started prepping him, two and a half when my third uh, baby was born. And it was beautiful because there was no jealousy, there was no animosity, there was no hurt, upset, they, these little kids knew exactly what to expect and they do love each other and they get along well. I'm not saying when they got a little older, we didn't have to work on that, but you know, like sibling rivalry is a real thing. But part of the reason that happens is because a two-year-old doesn't know what to expect. So my recommendation is if you're listening to this podcast and you're a grandparent, make sure your kids listen to it or your grandchildren. Like, make people listen to this so they understand what to do to prepare their children for a new baby because it's amazing. And I will say, we, we had some really, really cute videos and moments with my sons playing with their doll babies, which... I'm not putting on social media. I don't think they'd like it, although I, they would probably give me their permission because they were little, little boys and they knew that I loved them. And they knew before the baby was born that having this new baby didn't mean that I loved them less or that they were less important. They knew before the baby came home that the baby was going to require my time and attention. But they also had a baby that they could have time and attention with. And they did. And I, I have other fun stories about that. But this is like, can you see the power of anticipation? And can you see the power of helping 
and it wouldn't just have to, I'm not talking about two-year-olds necessarily, and this could help any, I mean, I did this with my kids when they were going to school or going to college, well, this is how it's going to go, you're going to make a bunch of friends, you're going to have a great time, maybe if you want to, you'll look into becoming a resident assistant, like your mother, because you might love that, okay, two of my kids did that, and they did love it, like, you know, help your young people anticipate, anticipate life, Build skills. It's all about skills. All right. So, um, I, I mean, I could just tell you some really cute, funny stories about uh, preparing my kids for other things, but I think that belabors it because, like, you get the idea. Now, I mean, oh, I could just keep going on and on because I actually do this all the time. I'm doing this right now, like right now in this moment, while I'm podcasting and everything I'm doing, I'm anticipating of a great movement of people waking up to how amazing they are, for people waking up to see how how beautiful they are and dealing with their low self-esteem and not being depressed and having happiness. Like this is, like I'm anticipating the day when people are not writhing with low self-esteem because that's painful. And I'm, I'm creating the day when the topic of conversation is growth and development or, you know, something in that genre, because this is what's powerful and this is what's going to help people to like be happy and be well-loved and be healthy. And even though people think I'm ridiculous, I mean, listen, I'm very well aware that people think I'm ridiculous on a regular basis, but I've had my mental health checkups over and over and over again and to create a vision even if people think it's impossible, is not the definition of being insane. It's the definition of thinking big and dreaming big. And so I'm anticipating this day when when it's the topic of conversation and people don't have to be afraid to say, you know what, I'm just lonely. You know what, I'm just bored. I mean, I was very old before my mother ever told me she was lonely. And the first time she told me, I was like riveted, like, oh my gosh, my mom is lonely. My mom has a lonely day. Wow. Like, because we don't tell people that we don't talk. There's everything in the world we don't talk about. And the not talking about it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anyone. So to move on, I am also anticipating a, a, an amazing great man coming into my life and that'll happen. So you get the idea. You can bring anticipation or visualization or some form of both into your life to create good things. I mean, hopefully you can see how amazing it was with my kids. I mean, I, can, I just could, I could do a whole podcast about that. I mean, I'd have to get my kids permission because um, one of them, oh no, I won't even go there. Uh, it's just cute. It's amazing. And it, we just never ever had a moment of jealousy, insecurity, or upset when I brought a new baby home. That never happened. And that's what usually almost always happens. Because how could you expect a two-year-old or a five-year-old or a seven? How could you expect them to know how to feel or know what it means? All right, so I want to go over next. So I could go on with more examples, but I think you definitely get the idea and the different ways you can use this. So I want to go over some critical elements to be able to do this. Number one is rational thinking. Now, you may be listening to this podcast thinking, oh, I'm a rational thinker. Well, you may or you may not be. But if you haven't kind of done your own self-assessment for any cognitive distortions, it's extremely likely or very likely that you might have a cognitive distortion. Now, I have a whole podcast about that. You can go listen to that. Now, don't be a woe is me if you have a cognitive distortion, because guess what? You're not stuck with it in any way. You can heal from that. You can deal with it. You can get over it. But it's kind of likely. It's a little likely that you probably have some form of irrational thinking. And that's not helpful, because you want to bring everything to the table, because I'm going to get into the action piece. And if your thinking isn't rational, nothing else is going to line up. Like you have to have rational thinking. In life, it's very helpful, but it's very helpful to have rational thinking if you're going to do visualization and anticipation. Number two, low self-esteem is epidemic 
reported numbers are at 85% of the population. And my suggestion and request is that you reel in, you know, your issues with low self-esteem because where that's going to send you is down the negative anticipation or the negative visualization road. So you're going to have to be mindful if you're going to take this, try this technique, and I hope you are, that you're, if you have low self-esteem, that colors everything that you do. So you have to kind of like check in with yourself. Oh, I just caught myself thinking negatively. Well, maybe that's my low self-esteem. I do suggest that you consider all possible outcomes. So I'm not a fan of wishful thinking. This is not wishful thinking, by the way. I mean, like, I hope you can, it was, it, it could fall under the line of wishful thinking for the fibroid to disappear or the, uh, for me to be able to have children because there wasn't medical evidence that either one of those would happen. But there was also nothing else I could do. I can't, I couldn't change the outcome other than change my thinking. So, but for the other examples I gave, you know, I, I considered all of the outcomes, like when I was working in the kitchen or buying a house, like everything I do, I don't live in la-la land. Wishful thinking in la-la land is not helpful. That might be a cognitive distortion, but magical thinking. But you want to like consider all the possible outcomes, the possible ways it could go, because you want to really make this a powerful, if you're going to do anticipation or visualization, you want to make it powerful. So it's much more powerful if you've got like the lay of the land. Like I knew the needs I had for the kitchen. I knew it was going to be a big deal to figure out the finances. And I knew that I had to figure out everything to figure out the cost to be able to figure out the finances and work, work it out. Same with buying my house. So you want to consider all the outcomes. Um, now, you don't have to figure out how to do it. Oftentimes, we as human beings, we want to know how, 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 how do I do this? You know, because we, we don't always know how. Like when I was helping someone with their medical condition, I had no idea in the world how to do what I was committed to. I just didn't know. And guess what? The doctors didn't know either because the doctors told me it was impossible. It was impossible. It would never happen. And we are now... Oh, almost 14 years past the death date. So we triumphed and we were successful, you know, and I didn't know how to do it. So when, if you're going to do anticipation, and I really hope you are, or visualization, I want you to know you don't have to know how. You just don't have to know how. Now, like if you're going to do a project like a kitchen, yes, you're going to have to know some how things, but you might not have to know how everything's going to come together. So you don't have to know all of the how and all of, you know, you don't have to have it all worked out in your mind. You have to know what your end result is. You have to be reasonable. You have to be rational. You have to like do certain things, but you don't have to have every little piece figured out. The next part of this is you have to bring your emotions into it without fail. It won't work if you don't bring your emotions into it. And the emotions that you need to bring into either anticipation or visualization are the highest emotions that would be love, joy, happiness, um, excitement. Those emotions, love, joy, happiness, excitement, um, pleasure, they have to be in the mix. And they have to be in the mix because they're powerful. And they have to be in the mix because, you know, if you're going to visualize something or you're going to anticipate some great thing, if you're bringing negative emotions into it, well, it's just self-defeating prophecy. It's not going to work. It's going to be more stressful for you. So you've got to bring your highest emotions, love, joy, happiness, excitement, all of those things, and attach them to the outcome. Like I mentioned, I'm creating this amazing, amazing man is coming into your into my life, and I'm I'm wildly excited about it. I mean, my daughter's probably sick and tired of me joking about it because it's been quite a long time <laughs> creating it, uh, and that's okay because I'm also you know like patient. Uh, but I have like the top high emotions attached to when the great man shows up, and he will show up. 
So you're going to have to bring your emotions to it and you're going to actually have to feel the feelings. That's wildly helpful because if you're just thinking, oh yeah, I'll be happy. That's different than we like, oh my gosh, I can't wait because then I'll say to them, oh honey, what do you want for dinner? I'd love to make you this or that. Like that's different. Like to feel the emotions and feel that. And the other piece is you have to believe it and feel it and see it. Like you have to have some faith or some belief, or some knowing that it's going to happen, like it's happened already. Like I have half of my closet cleaned out, I have an empty dresser, I am ready, because I know it's happening. He hasn't shown up yet, but I'll meet him, like someday, he'll show up someday, (laughs) someday soon, and we will laugh like crazy and have a ball. But I'm preparing, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm actually ready, so you want to bring everything to the table. Now, You might have to develop new skills or abilities to be able to pull this off. Like, I don't know if you're like an extremely negative person, this is going to be more work for you because you're really going to have to to make some effort. You might have to change your thinking. You might have to do something different. Like, I don't know what you'll have to do to be able to positively use positive anticipation and visualization in your life because I'm not you and I don't know what you're dealing with I don't know I have no idea but it's very possible or likely that you might have to learn some new skills or some new habits or some new abilities I don't know I just don't know but I know it's possible it's possible for you to use this as possible for you to get whatever you need now the next piece is action I'm a huge fan of action Like, I'm a huge fan of, like, being able to feel pain and deal with your emotions and all the skills you need to be happy. I'm a big fan of all that, but I'm also a big fan of action because actions are important. So let's say you've set this goal or this intention, you're going to meet the perfect woman or you're going to meet the perfect man or you're going to get a great job, whatever it is, pick something. And then you have to stop and say, hmm, well, what actions do I need to take to support that? So if you're going for a job, obviously you'd have to look and see what jobs are available. You'd have to get your resume kind of updated. You might have to get feedback on your resume. You have to update your references. Like if you're going for a job, you know exactly what you have to do. If you're looking for the perfect woman or the perfect man, you know, I don't know what you have to do about that. Is there something, is there some action you have to take? Well, you might have to go someplace like the gym or, you know, some some event or something to actually meet people like I don't know what you'd have to do but you want to take a pause and look and see are there any actions that you can take or you could take or you should take to help you with the outcome because there's usually actions you can take and I'm a fan you make a list of the actions and then you get busy and start taking them so what actions will support whatever you're committed to, whatever you could positively anticipate or visualize. Are there any other actions you could take? Well, sometimes there are, sometimes they're not. More often than not, there are actions you can take. Now, if you're dealing with a health situation, like I talked about with, you know, the the 19 centimeter fiber in in my uterus, there's nothing else I could do about that other than visualize, pray, and be that it would work out well. Because they told me right up front I was going to have a hysterectomy. So that was hurdle number one was I didn't have a hysterectomy. I mean, they were committed and sure. Because it was eight times bigger than my uterus. So it was very likely I would have a hysterectomy. So unless it's a medical thing, you can't intervene. And by the way, many medical things would improve or are likely to improve if you changed your thinking about it. So I have a podcast, which is kind of a little against the grain for me because I'm actually making an assertion based on science, which is the podcast is called how happiness could literally save your life. So if you're having a health issue and you definitely want to bring, you know, visualization or guided imagery or, you know, anticipation to it, you might want to listen to that podcast because that's all about the science that supports happiness. We know happiness is like crazy good for your health, crazy, crazy good for your health. And I have talked about that in many podcasts. That podcast is a lot of me reading science because I want you to make your own decision. I want you to make a decision about what the science says. I know what I'm asserting based on what the science says. So I read you the science and you can make your own decision. All right. So let's wrap this up with 
additional suggestions if you're going to use this t technique. And I certainly hope you are. Like, I think every woman or couple who's going to have a baby should do the prep work that I talked about. Like, when they have a second child, if they're having a second. Whether it's adoption, natural, foster, whatever. Because kids need this. They need that support. They need that... Um, guidance they need that they need to you need to show them what to anticipate how to anticipate and set up the expectations all right so number one wrapping this up commit if you're going to do it commit and be all in like what do you have to lose from trying this like when the two examples i gave with health and with the person i love there was absolutely nothing to lose i had nothing to lose and everything to gain so if you never tried it you wouldn't know what happened but if you're going to do it, commit and be all in. Like, commit and be all in. This is not like a half-assed thing you can do. You're either positively anticipating or visualizing or you're not. It's like, there's no, I don't think there's any halfway. Well, maybe you could make it up. Maybe there is. All right, so number two. If you're new to this, which most people are going to be new to this, you're, what's likely to happen is you're going to try it and then you're going to, like, tank and go down the rabbit hole you know your fears will come up your worries will come up what if it doesn't work what if he doesn't like me what if she doesn't like me what if I don't get the job? like you know that's natural that's understandable but you want to catch yourself and then get back in the game you want to get right back on to oh yeah well the right woman's coming or the right man's coming or this or that the next thing I suggest is that you set up a reward system and reward yourself. Listen, this I'm talking about change. Most of my podcasts deal with, you know, some form of change. You're going to change in your habits. You're changing your thinking. You're changing the way you do life or live life or this or that. And nobody likes change. People do not like change. So the way to get around the fact that people run from change and resist change is to have rewards because rewards are fun. I've written about that. I have plenty of material about a reward system. Next, growth and development is really going to help you. If you try anticipation or visualization and you get stuck, it's likely something that needs to be grown and developed. It could be low self-esteem. It could be that you catastrophize or you engage in ruminations or overthinking. And I have podcast to help you with all of that stuff. I mean, I have a ton of podcasts and they're all designed to help with a particular issue. So growth and development, if you get stuck, well, growth and development is just amazing. It's the access to love. It's the access to happiness. It's the access to freedom and power, not being upset. It's like amazing. So growth and development will help you. Um, next, you might have to feel deserving. Like, if you have low self-esteem, part of that usually is you don't feel deserving. And that's going to be a little problematic if you're, if you're creating a beautiful belief, expectation, or something. If you're expecting something wonderful, like you want to meet this great man. Well, I'm deserving of meeting a great man. I actually deserve it. And I feel like I deserve it. I know I deserve it. But if you wanted to meet a great man and you weren't feeling deserving, that's, that's a little bit of a problem because it's going to interrupt your ability to anticipate. So whatever it is you're working on, whether it's getting a job, buying a house, whatever, you've got to feel like you deserve it and bring deservingness, that you deserve it, you're worthy of it, and bring that to the table because otherwise you're kind of more or less shooting yourself in the foot with the self-defeating prophecy. Um, the next thing is you've got to believe it's possible. Even if it seems impossible, like the health thing I talked about where I was told this person would never, like it wasn't like, oh, they might survive. Oh, they have a 10%. It was like, no, nobody survives past this age. And by the way, that person's health was presented at an international conference several years ago as being the only person from America that had survived it. Of course, now we're 14 years past the survival date, and nobody can believe it because it never happens. But, you know, belief is a very powerful thing. I'll, I'll probably end up doing a podcast on, the, on that. I think it's on my list. But, you know, believe whatever you're after. Believe whatever you're up to. That's going to be helpful. 
because otherwise it's kind of disingenuous. Next, I would ask, what support do you need? It's okay to need support, but what support do you need? I need support all the time. I have to ask people, you know, I've had to ask people for all kinds of stuff because, like, I don't know everything. I'm not a know-it-all. And, you know, so you go ask people. Like, when I went to buy a house, I ended up buying a house that was under construction. So after I put it under contract, I immediately called everyone I knew who had ever done a new home construction build. Everyone. I don't remember how many people. I remember some of the people I talked to, and they're like, oh, well, don't forget about this, and don't forget about that. And I had a huge list because I didn't ever build a new home. So I wanted to do it right, and I wanted to learn what was it I didn't know or I wouldn't know. So I did things in my new build that the other home purchasers didn't do. They didn't know to do, and that's not my problem, but I did what I wanted because I went and asked people for help. Hey, I just signed a contract to build a new home. I mean, it was under roof, but not um, only to the studs. So what do I need to know? What are the mistakes people make in a new build? You know, like ask people for help. You're not supposed to know everything. The next thing is you've really got to bring your emotions to this. This is a key piece of either visualization or anticipation is bringing your emotions to the table to be thinking about it, to be feeling it. Like I'm telling you what, I don't know when some man's going to show up in my life. One of these days, it's not, one of these days is going to happen and I know exactly how I'm going to feel. <laughs> I'm like very excited. Um, but I feel those emotions when I'm thinking about it. Now I am busy working and doing other things. It's not like I'm sitting around thinking about it. No, I'm up to stuff in life. I have big dreams I'm working on. But when I have it moment, when I have, when I do think of it, you know, then I'm bringing my wildly amazing, exciting, you know, emotions to it because that's what you do. And honestly, you know, you're going to take any and all actions. Like who knows what it's going to take. I will tell you what I did in the kitchen in 18 days. Um, one of the contractors, some contractors called off actually, cause I think his baby was sick. So, um, on Friday of week one, I think it was anyway, that contractor told me, well, we're going to be getting off schedule because my painter, no, I think it was the drywaller, uh, couldn't come to finish mudding the, the paper, the, the drywall. And I was like, oh, I've done that before. I can do that. No, I don't want you doing that. I said, I understand you don't want me doing that, but I also want to stay on schedule because I'm cooking foods for kids who cannot eat in a restaurant using a microwave and a toaster oven in the living room. So this kitchen needs to get done. So he left. He was gone for the weekend. And guess what? He came back and things were done because I wanted to stay on schedule. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes kind of person. He was a little upset, but he got over it. He got over it very quickly because I took him into the, the quasi-living room where I had all my food. So like, I said, who else have you ever done a kitchen for that can't go out to eat? And he was like, mm, nobody. I said, okay. So I can't take my kids out to eat because the restaurants can't feed them. And so this is how I have to cook. This is what I'm limping along with. Do you understand why I need the kitchen done in three weeks? And he went, you know what? I do. I do. And then he got over his upset. And, and so do whatever it takes. Be one of those people. Go after what you want. Because, like, look, life is hard. We know life is hard. Life is always going to be hard. But there's ways to make life easier. And this is one of them for sure. And if you listen to this one, then you're going to want to subscribe so you get my Creating Your Life podcast because this is part of Creating Your Life and Creating Your Life is really wonderful and magical. All right, so it's takeaways. It's time to realize that you could use anticipation, positive anticipation, and visualization to help your life in meaningful ways. Like, I don't know how you could use it, but you could sure use it. And it's time to bring love and happiness and all the good stuff into your life because you can and use this as a way. I didn't suggest building a team, which I usually do because this is kind of an independent thing that you're going to do, but it wouldn't hurt you to build a team to take people with you on growth and development because that is going to support you being successful in the end. 
So I hope you're going to try this. I really, really do. Or you could get that book, Remarkable Recovery. You know, like you could look at this on the internet. There's plenty of stuff that's been written about this. And just enjoy your life and use this wherever you can. That's it for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 83, The Power of Anticipation and Visualization. I definitely hope you're going to start using these amazing techniques in your life because who knows what could happen. I also hope you're going to visit my website and sign up to enter my giveaway and connect with me and just hang in there for now. I know life is hard. I love you. You got this. Take care.